This is section 21 of Newspaper Articles by Mark Twain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Newspaper Articles by Mark Twain, section 21, Territorial Enterprise, November 1865. Territorial Enterprise, November 1865. The Ballad Infliction. It is bound to come. There is no help for it. I smell it afar off. I see the signs in the air. Every day, and every hour of every day, I grow more and more nervous, for with every minute of waning time the dreadful infliction comes nearer and nearer in its inexorable march. In another week, maybe, all San Francisco will be singing, Wearing of the Green. I know it. I have suffered before, and I know the symptoms. This holds off long, but it is partly that the calamity may gather irresistible worrying power, and partly because it is harder to learn than Chinese. But that is all the worse, for when the people do learn it, they will learn it bad, and terrible will be the distress it will bring upon the community. A year ago, Johnny came marching home. That song was sung by everybody, in every key, in every locality, at all hours of the day and night, and always out of tune. It sent many unoffending persons to the Stockton Asylum. There was no stopping the epidemic, and so it had to be permitted to run its course and wear itself out. Short was our respite, and then a still more malignant distemper broke out in the midst of this harried and suffering community. It was, You'll never forget me, mother, 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 mother! with an ever-accumulating aggravation of expression upon each successive mother. The fire-boys sat up all night to sing it, and bands of sentimental stevedores and malicious soldiers patrolled the streets and howled its lugubrious strains. A passion for serenading attacked the youth of the city, and they sang it under verandas in the back streets, until the dogs and cats destroyed their voices in unavailing efforts to lay the devilish spirit that was driving happiness from their hearts. Finally there came a season of repose, and the community slowly recovered from the effects of the musical calamity. The respite was not long. In an unexpected moment they were attacked, front and rear, by a new enemy. When we were marching through Georgia! Tongue cannot tell what we suffered while this frightful disaster was upon us. Young misses sang it to the guitar and the piano. Young men sang it to the banjo and the fiddle. The unblood-stained soldier yelled it with enthusiasm as he marched through the imaginary swamps and cotton plantations of the drill-room. The firemen sang it as they trundled their engines home from conflagrations, and the hated serenader tortured it with his damned accordion. Some of us survived, and some have gone the old road to a haven of rest at Stockton, where the wicked cease from troubling, and the popular songs are not allowed. For the space of four weeks the survivors have been happy. But, as I have said before, it is bound to come. Aranapogue is breeding a song that will bedeck some mountain with new-made graves. In another week we shall be wearing the green, and in a fortnight some will be wearing of the black in consequence. Three repetitions of this song will produce lunacy, and five will kill. It is that much more virulent than its predecessors. People are finding it hard to learn, 
but when they get it learned they will find it potent for harm. It is Wheatley's song. He sings it in Aranapog, with a sprig of shamrock in his hat. Wheatley sings it with such aggravated solemnity as to make an audience long for the grave. It is doled out slowly, and every note settles deliberately to its place on one's heart like a solid iceberg. And by the time it is finished, the temperature of the theater has fallen to twenty degrees. Think what a dead-cold winter we shall have here when this arctic funeral melody becomes popular. Think of its being performed at midnight in lonely places upon the spirit-depressing accordion. Think of being driven to blow your brains out under such circumstances, and then dying to the graveyard cadences of wearing of the green. But it is bound to come and we may as well bow our heads and submit with such degree of Christian resignation as we are able to command. The Californian, Saturday, November 11th, 1865. Exit Bummer. As we have devoted but little space to an event which has filled our local contemporaries with as much sorrow, judging from the columns of lamentations it has called forth, as would the decease of the best biped in the city, we give Mark Twain's view of the occurrence as recorded in the Enterprise of the Eighth. Strangely enough, Mark, who can't stand ballad infliction, seems to think there has not been quite enough of Bummer. The old vagrant Bummer is really dead at last, and although he was always more respected than his obsequious vassal, the dog Lazarus, his exit has not made half as much stir in the newspaper world as signalized the departure of the latter. I think it is because he died a natural death, died with friends around him to smooth his pillow and wipe the death-damps from his brow and receive his last words of love and resignation, because he died full of years and honor and disease and fleas. He was permitted to die a natural death, as I have said, but poor Lazarus died with his boots on, which is to say, he lost his life by violence. He gave up the ghost mysteriously, at dead of night, with none to cheer his last moments or soothe his dying pains. So the murdered dog was canonized in the newspapers, his shortcomings excused, and his virtues heralded to the world. But his superior— parting with his life in the fullness of time, and in the due course of nature, sinks as quietly as might the mangiest cur among us. Well, let him go. In earlier days he was courted and caressed, but latterly he has lost his comeliness. His dignity had given place to a want of self-respect, which allowed him to practice mean deception to regain for a moment that sympathy and notice which had become necessary to his very existence, and it was evident to all that the dog had had his day. His great popularity was gone forever. In fact, Bummer should have died sooner. There was a time when his death would have left a lasting legacy of fame to his name. Now, however, he will be forgotten in a few days. Bummer's skin is to be stuffed and placed with that of Lazarus. End of section 21